Now, there are two profound statements in the opening of that opening scene from the, the movie Field of Dreams that should arrest our attention. But before we talk about them, I, I want to talk about the elephant in the room. Yes, I did do something to my knee, and I am on crutches, but I can, I can balance up here, I think, just fine. Uh, I don't know what I did. I wish I had a good story. I, I don't. I was just balancing the checkbook, and it's the truth. <laughs> so I'm going to go to the orthopedic next week, and uh, we'll see where that takes us. So I just thought I ought to clear that. Now, back to the opening scene, there are two profound statements that ought to arrest your attention as you watch that scene, that opening scene. Uh, the first, remember, Ray said, I, my father was a Yankees fan, so of course I rooted for Brooklyn. And when they moved, we had to find something else to fight about. Uh, second, uh, Ray said, and when I chose a college, I chose the one furthest from home I could find. Wow. You know, the more I work with people, the more convinced I am is that most don't have a grasp of the powerful currents that go through their lives. And until we get a grip on those forces, those currents, we'll never be able to make sense out of our life. And now that means if we're going to grow, we're going to have to step into some areas that maybe we have avoided in the past. Now, in this series we find ourselves in, Fine Wines, we have learned that an unchecked, unpruned, unexamined life uh, can turn into a neglected vineyard with uh, all sorts of weeds, weeds of arrogance, entitlement, weeds of selfishness taking root and choking out growth producing sour grapes in our lives that grow up into something less than we were intended to be. But I want you to know growth is possible. It's possible if we can make sense out of why we are the way we are. I mean, whether we're willing to admit it or not, we are to some degree the product of our past. I mean, some of the things in our past, they're good things, and they simply make life easier in the present. Uh, some are not so good, even bad, and they tend to make life difficult in the present. See, see the past always impacts the present. So you could say each of us, in some degree, is controlled by our past until we consciously and willfully Choose to break that control. In fact, I'll never forget hearing the story of a very successful businessman. And he, had, he was putting in 60, 65, 70 hours a week. Just driving his family nuts, eventually causing him to crater his personal life and his family as well. Now, at age 70... He was reflecting over his success. Here's what he said. 
When I was a young boy living outside of Dayton, Ohio, I grew up in a trailer. I went to school every day by catching the bus because my parents didn't own a car. I had clothes that didn't match. I never had the things everyone else did. And when I hit puberty, I remember stepping out of that trailer, walking ten yards, turning around, and then saying to myself, I'm going to get as far away from that trailer as I can. Now, he's at age 70, working longer hours than he ever imagined. After millions upon millions of dollars. Now, why? Because he never consciously understood he's trying, still trying to get as far away from that trailer as he can. I mean, some people, they're driven by their past. They don't understand why they do what they do. And until they do, they'll never find the freedom to choose a different course. And that's because past wounds. They have a powerful uh, controlling effect on our lives. Past wounds have a powerful controlling effect on our lives. Now, last week uh, I introduced to you one wound. Uh, We called it the absent father wound. Uh, We defined it this way. We said uh, an absent father wound is an ongoing psychological, social, or spiritual deficit that would ordinarily be met in a healthy relationship with dad but wasn't and now must be overcome by other means. And if you remember last week, we said that a dad is absolutely critical for the emotional health and well-being of a person growing up in a family and then being launched into the world with strengths to make a difference in the world. And if that is ripped away, if a son or daughter has an absent father or uninvolved father, it's like amputating a leg. So there's a deficit that has to be overcome by some other means. In fact, I love what Lance Morrow with Time magazine says. He says the damage caused by a father's absence may be severe and may last a lifetime. It's a shadow. The longing of sons for their fathers is almost physical, something passionate, profound, It's often mysterious to sons what it is they want from their fathers. But I have seen it in my in men and I see it in my sons. They're longing for me. You see, dad is either a bright spot in the life of a son or daughter or he's just a shadow. The Bible speaks of the same thing. In fact, in the very last book of the Old Testament, the prophet Malachi Uh, tells the nation of Israel uh, what to expect, how to identify restoration in the land. Now, what do you expect that Malachi would say? That it would be marked by no crime in Israel, or or maybe by husbands loving their wives, or people returning to the synagogue. I mean, you'd expect something like that. But I want you to notice what he says in chapter 4, verse 6. He says, and he, speaking of the Messiah... And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Now, is that not an incredible statement? Spiritual renewal is marked by a reunion between children and their dads. 
Now, those are the powerful currents we see moving through the lives of young people, men and women today. So how do you heal the father wound? Well, last week we identified the wound. But this week I want to give you six proactive remedies that address this wound that many people carry. Now, some of you have this wound and some of you don't. Now, if you do have it, you you may have felt yourself in the past just kind of stumbling through life or maybe you feel like you're always wrestling over pain and confusion in life. Or, Or maybe when we talked about the father wound last week, you felt an emotion rise up inside of you that you didn't expect and really couldn't explain. So how do we bring about some sense of healing to this wounded place? In many men and women's lives. Well, first, you must choose to touch this wound responsibly. Touch it responsibly. Now, men and women who have this father wound, many of them will try to bury the pain and deny it, but it's a very difficult thing to bury. Some will blame dad and become angry, and they'll use how they were raised as an excuse to act irresponsibly, and they'll end up acting out the pain of their childhood and destructive behaviors. I love what Janine Roth says about wounds that we encounter. She says, it's not the wound that shapes our lives, it's the choices we make as adults between embracing our wounds and raging against them. Notice, it's not the wound itself. It's the choices we make. To either wade into that wound, to wade into the confusion, the pain, or to rage against it. So, how do you touch this thing responsibly? Well, one thing, it's one thing to understand what you're missing in life. It's another to move toward it by grieving what you've lost. When you enter the wounded places of your life and you feel the ache of your heart, the disappointment of a dad who wasn't there the way you wanted him to be, or maybe the anger of having a dad who was cruel or a dad who ignored you, It's going to feel like a death. It's a death to what you didn't get from a dad that you wished you had gotten. It's a death to the strategies you've employed in life, trying to make life work for you. And any time there's a death, it's appropriate to grieve. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew... Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now, you can't force the tears to come, but you can allow them to come as they present themselves. You see, I think grieving, it creates space in our lives for the healing presence of God to enter. I remember one evening in graduate school, taking a break from my studies turning on TV, and there was a movie. It was a Leave it to Beaver special. It was the Cleaver family all grown up. So I I started watching it. 
Now, there was June, you know, B's mom. Uh, there was Wally. I mean, he, he was the perfect uh, son, and now he was all grown up. He had a family. He had a wife, had children. He was the perfect husband, perfect dad. Uh, there was Eddie Haskell. Well, he was still Eddie. And, of course, there was Beaver. Now, Beaver has made a royal mess of his life. His, his wife hates him and has divorced him. His kids don't like him. He loses his job and he has to move in with June. His life is a mess. And, of course, Ward, he's passed away. And so the movie begins uh, with June at Ward's grave, and we get to overhear a conversation with her husband, long since gone. And we hear her say, oh, Ward, I I wish you were here. Oh, Beaver's made a mess of his life. I mean, I, I don't know how to advise him. I mean, he needs your wisdom. You need to see his life and what he's done, and he needs a dad in his life. Well, as the movie progresses, Beaver, he starts making some inroads into the life of his kids. They they no longer dislike him, uh, but he's got a long way to go. And then about halfway through the movie, there's June at Ward's grave again. And we overhear her saying, Ward, Beaver, I don't know if he's going to make it. I mean, he's doing a few things right, but he His decision-making is poor. He could use your advice. He needs a dad. Well, as the movie progresses toward the end, you discover that uh, Beaver, he he makes those inroads into his kids' lives, and his kids actually begin liking him. And then he ends up landing this great job. He saves money, and he's able to move out of June's house, and he's starting to make... Uh, some inroads into the the life of his ex-wife, winning her heart back to him. And near the end of the movie, there is June at Ward's grave, and she says, Oh, Ward, I wish you could see Beaver. Oh, you would be so proud of him. And when she said that, I burst into tears. I felt something well up inside of me I hadn't felt. I mean, it just came out, and I knew that I had to let it come. And every time I uh, thought of June's words toward, that emotion would well up inside of me. You know, I think it takes more courage to feel and express your emotions than it does to play it safe by keeping them bottled up inside. Well, Patty happened to walk through the room about that time, and she looked at me and wondered, whoa, what's going on here? She said, honey, are you okay? Well, I I knew I needed to feel whatever it was that was going on inside of me. I said, yeah, I'm okay. I just need to be left alone. And so she just left the room. And, And every time I thought of June's words toward, Again, the emotion would just come up. And I continued to think about it again and again and again. I just knew I had to feel whatever was going on inside. And then, in the weeks that followed, a friend helped me understand that June's words to Ward 
were really my words to my dad. I wish you could see me. I wish you could see what I've done with my life. Dad, you'd be so proud. You know, that event began a process of healing that wound in my life. But, but healing a wound is never an event. It's never a cathartic moment. It, it's a process. Several years later, I, I was, um, went into a gas, stopped by a gas station, went into the bathroom to use their facilities. And, and when I shut the door and locked it behind me, I turned around and I was taken back. I, this, this looks exactly like my dad's bathroom in his gas station. Wow. It was the same color. It had the same smell. <laughs> the bell on the driveway dinging, it sounded exactly the same. And suddenly, it was as if I was transported back to 1965. And so in my mind's eye, I walked outside the bathroom door. I walked around the side of the building and then to the front door. And I walked in and there was my dad standing at his big stand-up desk like he always was. And I felt this excitement grow in my heart. That I could talk to him. I could engage with him. I could interact with him. But as I did, he ignored me. He acknowledged my presence, but he ignored me just like... He did as a child growing up, and suddenly I, I felt the pain of a child's hopes being dashed, that he would connect with his dad. And so back there in the bathroom, I began to weep again, just like I had watching that movie. Well, I made sure the door was locked. I was going to stay there as long as it took. And every time I... Replayed that scene in my mind, it just it would well up inside me again and again and again. It was like a death. It was a death to what I hoped I would get from a dad. But I didn't. I, but I did something different this time. I invited Jesus to come into the space with me. To bring some semblance of healing here. You know, he has said that he wants to be a father to the fatherless. You know, grieving a wound, it's not a singular event. It's a process. And I've had other God-ordained opportunities since then. You know, we all have wounds in our lives that keep us from pursuing life as it was meant to be lived. Whether you're a man or a woman. And part of the healing process is moving into that wound and grieving what you've lost. To run from pain, men and women, to run from pain is to run from your manhood or your womanhood. So you've got to take the time to grieve what you've lost. But second, you touch it responsibly by choosing to forgive your dad. In fact, in, in Hebrews... Chapter 12, verse 8, it says, we have earthly fathers that corrected us. And then in verse 9, it goes on and says, 
for they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them, disciplined us, corrected us as seemed best to them. But he for our profit that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now, look for a moment at that phrase. They chastened, disciplined, in other words, us as seemed right or best for them. Now, that phrase helps me. I don't know a single man who purposely set out to hurt his daughter. I can't imagine when the doctor said, it's a boy. The first thought in a dad's mind was, I'm going to hurt that sucker. (laughs) No. On the day of your birth, your dad may have been scared. He may have been surprised, maybe even a little confused. But he didn't stand there and say, I'm going to hurt that child. No. Now, it may have turned out that way, but that wasn't his intent. My dad's motivation was not evil. Now, he he, he may have been foolish. He may have been ignorant. He, He may have not known any better. He may have not realized that what a child needs to hear a dad say is, I love you, I'm proud of you, I admire you. And when you came home with four A's and those two B's, and he, and he just naturally focused in on those two B's because he wanted you to be better. But instead, you felt beat down by it. You felt like it's never good enough. So you walk out of that home at age 20, and no matter what you do in life, you never feel like it's good enough. And it makes you mad. But he did try the best he knew how. You know, when my dad didn't show up for my state high jump championship meet, I guarantee you he never thought this is going to hurt my son Doug. That never entered his mind. And when he worked late one evening after another after another, he never thought this is going to ruin my family. That never entered his mind. Now, he probably thought, this is what a, a man does to provide for his family. Or, or maybe he thought, I don't know what to do with the teenage son. I feel so incompetent here. I'm going to go do something I feel competent at. And that was work. Now, wh- what that does is it helps me see that my dad didn't purposely do something to me as much as he was probably just trying to do something for himself. And it helps me find a place to forgive my dad. You see, forgiving your dad means seeing him as he really is. Not malicious, but maybe misguided. And that's an important step in healing this wound. Now, your relationship with your dad, you may feel anger over that. And I want you to know it's okay. It's okay. I mean, the scripture says, be angry. It's a command, but don't sin. So there must be a way for us to handle our anger so it doesn't cross the line into sin. The rest of the verse says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. I take it as a figure of speech for saying, come full circle on it. In other words, understand why the anger's there. 
But, but did you know anger is usually a secondary emotion in a person's life? It's usually a cover-up for another emotion that we're more uncomfortable feeling. And, and that many times can be the emotion of hurt. If you feel angry when you think about your dad, you need to ask yourself, what hurts inside? What aches in my soul? And that's part of the healing process. And then after you've done that, the next step is then to release and forgive him. He's just a man. I mean, step aside and see him for who he really is, his strengths and weaknesses. And that can begin a freeing process in your life if you find yourself wrestling with that. And then thirdly, you touch it by choosing to believe in God's justice. Now, as I've been talking, some of you have been thinking, you know, my dad, he wasn't misguided. He wasn't ignorant. My dad was cruel. Well, if that's the case, then you have a choice to make. You can either extract justice for the rest of your life trying to get even, or you can come to a place of releasing your dad to God's justice. And that's a faith step, but it's also a freeing step. It's freeing to stop being judge yourself and just let it go. By, by the way, do you know that's what Jesus did on the cross? In fact, in First Peter, uh, Peter said this, Who, when he, meaning Jesus, was reviled, did not revile in return. When suffered, he didn't threaten but kept committing himself to him who judges righteously. He turned it over to God. So, so there are three ways you can touch this wound responsibly. Uh, one, by letting yourself grieve. Second, choose to forgive. And third, choose to believe in God's justice. Now, in the, there's a second step in addressing this wound, and that is to courageously seek reconciliation with your father. Now, there may be a separation between you and your dad that stems from just plain old relational incompetence. I've met men who feel the need to call their dad shaking like a leaf, asking dad to spend some time with them. Grown men. Now, one guy said his dad tried to make every excuse in the book. But he was persistent. He kept working his dad and working his dad. And finally, they found a weekend that they could schedule time together. He flew his dad out to Colorado. The son picked him up at the airport. He had rented a cabin up in the Rockies. They were going to go up there and spend the weekend together. On the drive up, the son looked at his dad and said, Dad, I just want to spend some time with you to get to know you. It was awkward. Very awkward. But as the dad began to kind of open up, it, it didn't seem as awkward. And as that son began kind of probing with questions, asking about his dad and what it was like doing this, and then began to share his heart as well, in that short weekend, there was an incredible reconciliation from a... Separation of incompetence 
that caused true healing to take place that was left because of an absent dad years before. Or maybe it was a separation that sprung from conflict. Maybe growing up you had a fight with your dad and you stormed out of the house and you've refused to talk about it since. And he is well. In fact, the founder of the National Center for Fathering, Ken Cranfield, tells a story about his dad giving him all sorts of advice as Ken was heading off to college. The thing about it was his dad had never been to college, and it was irritating Ken. After a while, Ken had all he could take. He said, Dad, Dad, you don't know about any of that stuff. You, you didn't go to college. You were just a dumb old factory worker. And there was a rift in that relationship brought about by destructive words. And he and his dad, well, they never spoke of it since. They would talk about the weather. They would talk about sports. But never anything deeper than that. It just stayed on the surface. And then one day Ken said, God brought that searing comment back to him. And he knew he had to go to his dad and seek forgiveness. So now as a grown man, he was driving one day as a, he and his dad going somewhere. And as Ken was driving, he looked over at his dad he said, you know, Dad, you remember when I called you a dumb factory worker? And his dad just looked out the passenger window. That had caused such a deep hurt in his life. He said, Dad, I, I want you to know I was wrong. Will you forgive me? That's not what you are. And they went back over that ground again and talked about it. And a tremendous healing took place that was created by relational brokenness brought about by words, hurtful words, because the words we say can hurt. Or maybe you are a rebellious son or daughter and you need to go back and take a, the courageous step of seeking reconciliation from your dad by using the healing power of words. Okay, and then thirdly, thirdly, ask, risk asking for your father's love. One of the things I hear repeated over and over and over again, especially in men's ministry, is I never heard my dad say he loved me. And that hurts. Well, you're an adult. Go ask him. Go ask him. Gordon Dalby, in his book, Healing of the Masculine Soul, talks about a young man, Peter, who was grieving over the fact that he'd never heard his dad say, I love you. And so Dalby said, well, why don't you go ask him? So Peter planned a time to go over to dad's house. He's fumbling around with his words. Finally, he said, um, well, Dad, I was wondering, do, do you love me? And it kind of took Dad back. He said, well, P Peter, I've never thought of it that way, but I, I mean, I guess I love all my children. 
And so Peter went back and told Dobby what had taken place. Dobby said, now, Peter, did that satisfy you? He said, no. He, he didn't say he loved me. So Dobby said, go back and ask him. So he planned another time to go over to his dad's house. This time, he walked directly up to his dad. He looked him in the eye and said, Dad, I want to know, do you love me? This time, his dad caught on. He looked Peter in the eyes, put his hands on his shoulders and said, Peter, I want you to know, I love you. Some of you have never heard your dad say that. And you're wondering, will I ever hear that? Probably not, unless you ask for it. It's going to require some courage to step into this wound to find some healing. In fact, I remember taking a number of trips to Jackson, Mississippi to try to have a conversation with my dad every time I chickened out. Every time. And then this one time, suddenly the golden moment just presented itself. And I knew I needed to take advantage of it. I was sitting in the easy chair in the den, and Dad just kind of walked in the door through the room. And in the middle of the room, he just stopped and paused. Had just kind of a faraway look in his eye like he's pondering something. I thought, okay, it's just he and I. Uh, I'm going to do it. And I said, Dad, Dad, I've I've always wanted to tell you that I loved you, but that I love you, but I just I guess I wasn't sure how you would react. And not only that, Dad, I I wanted to tell you that for years I've wanted to give you a hug, but I was scared it'd make you feel uncomfortable. Well, my dad, he just started fumbling around with words. He he was a big, tall man, but a very shy man. And he just kind of shuffled his foot and said, Oh, Doug, you know I'm not good at talking. I mean, whoa. I mean, what, what is there to say? I mean, about, uh, I don't know. Um, and he just was lost in his verbiage. Well, I didn't realize it, but my mom was listening in from the other room. So she quickly got up from her chair and she came into the den to rescue dad. She came right between us. She said, now, Doug, you know, your dad's not comfortable talking about things like that. Why would you bring something up like that to make your dad feel uncomfortable? That is so insensitive, blah, 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 blah. And as she was talking, dad, almost like a shadow, just drifted out of the room through the kitchen and down the hall in the bedroom, shut the door. So I had to stop my mom. I said, Mom, 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 that was between Dad and me. I wished you hadn't interrupted. Well, that that weekend progressed and we were heading back to Dallas. Uh, Patty had gotten the kids in the car and she was getting in the car and I was getting ready to jump in on the driver's side. Anytime we said goodbye, my mom would always come up to the window and say, uh, when are you coming next? Uh, we miss you. Wish you'd come more often. Dad would always stand over by the garage and just kind of see you. Just like that. I thought, I, I'm not going to let this moment pass. 
So I jumped out of the car, went around, went over to the garage. And um, my dad kind of saw me coming. He kind of braced himself. And I didn't say a word. I just went and put my arms around him. And I pulled him tight. And I said, Dad, I love you. Well, I happened to have a jacket on that had a lot of webbing in the uh, in the armpit. And so when I grabbed my dad like this, I didn't know he was trying to grab me, but his arms got caught up in the webbing and I was hugging him and he was hugging me like a chicken with wings. It was so awkward. And then he reached up and whispered in my ear. Doug, I love you. I got to hear what I, I longed to hear and got to say what I longed to, to say to him. And th- that moment was another step in the process that brought some semblance of healing in my relationship with my dad. And in hindsight, I look back now and I'm so glad I took that moment because I didn't realize six months later he would be dead. And I got to hear those words from my dad. I want to encourage you to to risk, to risk asking for your father's love. And then next, risk asking for your father's blessing. I mean, some of you know your dad loves you, but you don't know how he feels about you. If he's proud of you. Maybe, maybe you had a break with dad growing up. Because you never felt like you could satisfy his ego. You were the artist, and he wanted you to be the athlete. And so you just wondered ever since you've been an adult, what does my dad think of me? Well, go ask him what he thinks. Take the initiative. Ask him how he feels. In fact, we had a pastor, I mean, a doctor, surgeon friend of ours in Little Rock, Arkansas, who opened up about his relationship with his dad. The fact is, he felt like his dad was never really proud of him and really didn't admire him very much. He thought he was a big disappointment to his dad. You see, his dad had expectations that his son would come into the family business. But instead, this son broke with that and became... And went into medical school and became a surgeon. Well-educated, well-known surgeon. And he thought his dad didn't admire what he did. And it left a wound, a hole in his heart. And so he decided one day he was going to write his dad a letter. And he drafted the letter. He mailed it to his dad. Two weeks later, he received this back. I want to read to you what his dad said. Dear Paul... I love you more than you'll ever know. I'm so proud of you, your brilliant mind, your tenacity, your tender heart, your determination to restore your marriage. You have a godlike love that never gives up. Paul, I want you to listen to my heart today. Wherever I go in this world, my heart fills with pride when I say, my son is a surgeon. He saves lives. Paul, I've felt a lot of pain in my lifetime, but the deepest pain I ever felt was when I hurt you with stupid, foolish words. Uh, Please forgive me from your heart and think of me not only as your dad, 
but as your best friend and supporter. That's my heart's cry. And then he continued, Paul, I remember when you were a little boy one night, you were scared. So I climbed into bed and laid beside you. After a few minutes, you said, Dad, are you awake? And I said, yes, I'm awake. A few minutes later, you said, Dad, is your face turned toward me? I said, yes, it is. And a frightened boy went to sleep that night. Paul, I want you to know my face is still turned toward you. And it will never turn away with all my love, Dad. No answer needed. Men and women, you've got to risk. You've got to risk going and asking for Dad's blessing. That's touching the wound responsibly. And, and then finally, I want you to be the one who finds the great love of a father that no earthly father can give. You see, Dad was, your earthly dad was never meant to be the final answer. He was a temporary provision. Uh, your real father in this life can actually be your heavenly father. So, why don't you ask your heavenly father what he thinks about you? Uh, even in the best of homes, an earthly father will fall short in some way, in some fashion. So, at some point in your life, you've got to transfer from an earthly father to a heavenly father. Because that father will never fail you. I'd suggest you pray something like this. God, I know you're the only way I can truly, I can be truly healed. There's no love that can compete with your love. So here I am, your broken, incomplete child. And I need you as a heavenly father to love me to forgive me, to inspire me, to care for me, to bless me. I need you to walk with me through this life. I want to know you as my dad. See, true healing can come as you embrace your heavenly Father, as your ultimate Father. And that's God. You know, I'm so thankful that God gave me the opportunity to raise two sons and in that experience, I had this opportunity to reclaim ground that had been lost in my childhood. In other words, it was just therapeutic to me to give to my boys what I didn't get. In fact, back in that movie, Field of Dreams, you remember Ray Kinsella, he builds this baseball diamond in the middle of a cornfield after hearing a voice say repeatedly, if you build it, they will come. But Ray has no idea that his longing to build a baseball diamond is really a longing to connect with his dad. And then one day on this field of dreams, he realizes that the catcher was actually somebody he's known all along. If you've got the absent father wound, you've got to take the time to touch it responsibly and heal it. In fact, what I'd like to do is take a look at that prayer once again that I'd put up on the screen. As Kenny plays, I'm going to read that prayer through and give you an opportunity to pray it to yourself as I say it out loud. 
I'm, I'm just going to read one phrase at a time, and you can repeat those phrases to your Heavenly Father silently as I communicate them verbally. God, I know you're the only way I can be truly healed. There's no love that can compete with your love. So here I am. Your broken, incomplete child. I need you as a Heavenly Father to love me. To forgive me. To inspire me. To care for me. To bless me. I need you to walk with me through this life. I want to know you like a dad. Father, I thank you that that's your heart. To be a heavenly father to us. To come in and bring healing in places that need to be healed. May this week you reveal yourself to everyone here today as their heavenly dad in some way, in some fashion. And remind them that you love them, you delight in them, and you're actually proud of them. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.